Matthew 24. Let's just start reading in verse number one. We've been reading this a little bit. We haven't really got all the way through it yet. But verse one, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him and said, and showed him the building of the temple. And Jesus said to them, see ye not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He's prophesying the destruction, actually of the temple here, but all of Jerusalem. That happened in 70 AD, 70 years afterwards, or I should say in 70 AD. He went and sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? Now they're asking three questions. When shall these things be? And when, that's, that's what he just was talking about, the stones being thrown down. And uh, what shall be the sign of thy coming? Number two, so that's something different. Now that's something other than just the temple being destroyed. When are you coming back, in other words? And the third one, the end of the world. When's the end of the world? Well, that's a whole lot of questions. And that's a whole lot of big, big questions. Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ shall deceive many. And uh, so, but he goes on here and so forth and so on. He says, many of these things will happen, but the end is not yet. Verse 14, kingdom arise against kingdom. Then he goes into the tribulation. There's parts of the tribulation mentioned there. And he seems to jump back and forth a little bit. And so uh, then he said in verse 32, learn, learn the parable, a parable of the fig tree. All theologians agree the fig tree is the nation of Israel. When uh, his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye, when ye shall see all these things, <clears throat> know that it is near even at the door. So he prophesied back there in verse number, uh, verse number two the uh, destruction of the temple, actually, and of Jerusalem. And he mentions later that Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles uh, until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I'm looking for that verse that's in there somewhere. Yeah. So basically, he's saying the temple's going to be destroyed, the Jer- Jerusalem's going to be detro- destroyed, and uh, Israel's going to be overrun by Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah. And they won't see him again until they say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They won't hear anything from him. And they haven't. Amen. Because they denied him. Remember. So, but he did say that there's going to be here this verse number 32, this parable, the fig tree. He did say basically that Israel is going to be reborn as a nation. And then he said, when you see these things, verse 33, know that it is near even at the door. In other words, my coming, the end of all things. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. You know, there are people mocking us talking about the end times or really the coming of Jesus. Remember the Bible said, you know, Peter prophesied that in the last days scoffers will come say, where is the sign of his coming or the promise of his coming? You know, all these things have been prophesied for all these years. Nobody's ever, you know, nothing's changed. He hasn't come. Nothing. But see, uh, that's foolish. Amen. Because he's coming. And uh, he gives us signs here. And really, we need to talk about signs. I don't have it on my heart, too, this morning, because really a lot of end-time preaching just emphasizes the signs that you see in the natural world. But Christians never were intended to walk by signs that we see in the natural world. We walk by faith, not by sight. See, we know things intuitively. We know things by the Spirit. 
But then there are signs. Somebody said, well, if it's not, the signs aren't for us, who are they for? They're for natural people. Amen. Amen. Natural things are for natural people. Anyway, but he did mention the signs and he mentioned the Israel and so forth. It's not that it's wrong to notice that there are signs. It's just that we shouldn't get all carried away with them like a lot of end time preachers get carried away with them. Amen. We'll get into that maybe. We'll see maybe Wednesday night because it'll just jerk a lot of slack out of you. This generation should not pass till all be fulfilled. Verse 34, heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. He did promise he's coming and that's not, that's not going to pass away. And so of that day, talking about his return, uh, uh, that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Now, you read that out of its setting and you think, you know, it's just wrong to even talk about Jesus coming back. We don't know when it's going to be. We don't know if it's tomorrow. We don't know if it's a thousand years from now. Well, really, in one way, we don't. But in another way, we do. Because he said, when you see these things, he mentions Israel here being restored as a nation. You know, no no nation has gone into exile one time and then been restored once as as a nation. Israel now has done it three times. (laughs) Amen. As a nation. Now they're a nation again. And he said, the generation that sees that, he said, this is all going to be fulfilled before that generation passes away. And well, people read there, no man knows the day or the hour. And they say, well, it's even wrong to even talk about Jesus coming back. We don't know anything about all that. Just avoid all that. Well, if that's, that's so, then why did Jesus give us a little bit of a clue there? We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the season. Anybody that's paying attention to the Holy Ghost, if you're a believer and aren't about half carnal, you're in paying attention to the Holy Ghost, you know this is coming. It's, it's, it's arriving. And you can even see that in the signs, though we don't necessarily walk by that only. So then he talks about no man knows the day or the hour. And then he mentions the days of Noah as the days, as it is in the days of Noah were. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day of Noah. And the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And so he's talking about the day of Jesus coming back. It's going to be like in the days of Noah. They, in other words, people going just about the daily routine. Just, I mean, you know, all the natural things of life, eating and drinking, you know, getting married and so forth. So I guess that's Jesus prophesying Jesus he's coming on Saturday, this Saturday. <laughs> We're having a wedding this Saturday, so Jesus is coming this Saturday. <clears throat> Brother, Brother Dane's going to go home in hard travail. <clears throat> oh, no, Jesus, not, no, no, i got to get married first. <laughs> not now, Jesus. How about the morning I wake up and we're ready to come home from my honeymoon, then you can come back, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Somebody's got to fulfill that scripture, Brother Dane. I mean, come on now. (laughs) Amen. Well, so, Dane, do you take Anna? You know. (laughs) Amen. He did not say there, they'll be eating and drinking and going on their honeymoon. He didn't say that. He said, it'll be the middle of the wedding. That's when he said it is going to happen right there. Forget the honeymoon, brother. It's not in the cards for you. Just forget it. Just forget it. 
<laughs> Amen. Just think of the honor, all eternity. You can tell everybody you meet on the golden streets. Our wedding was in the Bible. That was Jesus talking about us. That was him talking about us. No, we, 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 we're, we're making that up. <laughs> Amen. So, but this is all talking about Jesus coming back. So I want to talk about Jesus coming back this Saturday or sometime, maybe sometime after that. <laughs> For those of you on live stream, Dane's getting married on Saturday, all right? All right, let's look at some scriptures. I think it'd be important to go to Titus chapter number two. Jesus is coming back again. Hallelujah. It's important that we talk about, there's not enough talking about this in the body of Christ, I don't think. When I was going, when I was growing up, there was so much talk about this, I, I lived a little like Dane, you know, I was just hoping it wasn't because I had some things I wanted to do first, you know. <laughs> we had such consciousness that he was coming again. And there's a, there's a Bible place for that. We're to be living in expectation of this day coming. You know, the early church thought it was imminent, like right away. And they got busy and got the job done. They started evangelizing the whole world. There's a, there's, there's, uh, living in the expectation of Jesus come, coming back, it, it is an incentive and a motivating force to get done what needs to be done. The rapture of the church is not an escape theology. It is a hustle theology. What? What do you mean hustle? I mean, let's get with it and get the job done. Lord, my rent's due tomorrow. It'd be a good day for you to come. I mean, just, you know, no, it's not an escape theology. We ought to live in victory up until he comes. Amen. So I just thought I'd share a little bit of, so notice here, Titus, have you turned there? Did I tell you Titus chapter number two? All right. Titus chapter number two. Notice verse number, wow, we could go back to verse 11. Let's go back to verse number 11. There's a lot here, but we won't take all the time to cover it all. Knowing that this, knowing that he that is such is subject, oh, I'm in chapter three. Go to chapter number two, Pastor Jay. All right. Verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, this is what grace teaches us, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That tells you the, the, uh, the way grace is being preached in some circles today is unscriptural grace. Their teaching grace just means you live any old way you want. You, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. Just, you know. Now, it's not scriptural. Grace teaches us to live holy. Not only does it teach us to live holy, it equips us to live holy. Amen. So that's a whole other subject. But look at verse number 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Whoo, glory be to God. Looking for that glorious, that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. The blessed hope is the glorious appearing. The word blessed means there's blessing attached to this. 
there's going to be some blessings come into your life you ain't never had before. <laughs> Thank God for all the benefits down here. But there's some things until Jesus comes you won't get into. Oh, pastor, I don't know about that. Well, let me just give you one, for example, a glorified body. I mean, whenever that trumpet sounds in the middle of the wedding, um, <laughs> just rubbing it in a little bit here today, but when that trumpet sounds, there's going to be a light flash. Amen. The Bible calls Jesus' return his glorious appearing. Oh, I like that. Don't you like that? That blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Glorious appearing. I mean, that means his appearing is full of the glory. And that glory is going to light your physical body up like it's never been lit up. You thought you've gotten drunk in church and fell out under the power. You thought you had power. You wait till this power hits you. Shoo, glory be to God. Go back, to, go, back to, uh, go back to the book of Revelation, chapter number 8 here. There's few doctrines in the New Testament that are established more scripturally than the return of the Lord or the coming of the Lord. In fact, you read some of these writings with this in mind, with that th just looking for this subject. You read the Bible just looking for this. You would think some of the writers of the New Testament are almost obsessed with the subject. We'll give you some verses in a few moments, but look here in Romans chapter number eight. It talks about verse number, uh, it talks about the cre creation groans and travails in verse number 21, they want to be delivered from bondage of corruption. That's the curse that's on the earth, talking about all of creation. And then he says, uh, verse number 23, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. That's important. First fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Now you could read that and you could say, well, I thought our, we already had redemption for our body. Well, just keep on reading for we are saved by hope. Now that, that sounds like a contradiction of other scriptures. Yeah. We are saved by hope. We're not saved by hope. The Bible said by Ephesians 2, by grace are you saved through faith. We're not saved by hope. We're saved by faith. Well, you can see, though, from the context, what he's talking about. He's talking about the redemption of our bodies. Well, I thought we have already received, you know, redemption from sickness in our bodies. We have. That's the first fruit of the Spirit that he mentioned there. We have the first fruits. That's the down payment. Yeah. We got the down payment on the full that is to come. Right. When you buy a house, you put an earnest money down, you put a down payment down, yeah. that secures what's coming. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. That's a promise of more to come. Yes. Amen. And so we've got the down payment, which is the quickening of our mortal bodies. These mortal ones, these mortal, the word mortal means death, subject to death. Yes, if Jesus tears his coming, we're all going to physically die. Yeah. We're still subject to that. Yes, sir. The last enemy that will be put underfoot is death, physical death. Spiritual death has already been put underfoot. Amen. Jesus gave us the keys. We walked right out of spiritual death. So, but notice here, he said, uh, the first fruits of the spirit was what we already have. We have, which we have the first fruits of the spirit. We already have that. But the full of that is getting ready to come. Yeah. The first fruits of the Spirit is divine health and divine healing until we either, uh, until Jesus, if we're alive, Jesus comes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on. Yep. 
Amen. Amen. And when he comes, we're going to get the rest of that first fruits. What is that? The uh, redemption of our bodies. In other words, the full changing of this body from mortal into immortal. And if you've never studied the immortal body, you ought to study it. Because if you study it, you'll want one. Man, don't miss that one. If you're going to get something, get that. All right. So the redemption of our body. If we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth. Why did he yet hope for? In other words, hope is something that concerns the future. Right? right. Amen. right? Yeah. Faith deals with the now. Right. Hope deals with the future. So there's something to come that we don't see yet, and that is the glorification of these mortal bodies, turning them into immortal Amen. bodies. Amen. The Bible says that we'll have a body like unto his glorious yes. body. After his resurrection, his body was a glorified body. He said, handle me, a uh, uh, spirit, because they thought he was a ghost. He walked through the door. I mean, he walked through the wall. The door was closed. Uh, they, they said, oh, it's a ghost. He said, no, handle me. He said, uh, a spirit or a ghost doesn't have flesh and bone. So his body had flesh and bone. Remember Peter, I mean, not Peter, but Judas, not Judas either. He was dead. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas put his hand into his side and his finger into the print of the nails. He had a physical body, but it was glorified. And that one could walk right through substance. It could be somewhere in a split second, not subject to any death. No wonder we're going to be able to destroy the, all the nations when we ride back with Jesus. Because they're going to take a sword to us, try to kill us, or try to shoot a bullet through us, and it'll go right through us. And, and we're still there going, ha, ha, ha. Anyway, you want one. Tell your neighbor, you want one of those. Get one of those. It's coming. It's coming. Praise the Lord. Well, we are, uh, verse number 25, if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now, now he's talking here about this. Look back here in Titus 2, 12, or verse 13, looking for the blessed hope. So he mentioned hope over, over there in Romans, Romans 8, didn't he? The blessed hope. What is that? The glorious appearing of our Lord, uh, uh, glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The glorious appearing is the blessed hope. Your hope will be realized at his appearing. What you're expecting will be realized at his appearing. If you're alive. And if you're not, you're still going to get a glorified body. Your spirit will go to heaven if you die before Jesus comes. But whenever he comes, those that are the spirits of those that are in heaven will come back and pick up their body. It'll be raised first and then their body will be turned into a glorified body. So um, a whole lot of things we, we, we look forward to. <clears throat> but notice the glorious appearing. That's the blessed hope. How does this hope affect your lifestyle? According to these verses, verse 11 and 12, before that, they actually cause you to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. In other words, it proves that understanding this and that this could happen at any time will be an antidote against living in worldly lusts. Because if you're aware that he could come any time, you want to stay ready all the time. That's what he's saying right there. All right, go to 1 John chapter number 3. We're just looking at Jesus' return. 
He is coming. The Lord told me in a dream when I was a kid, tell my people I'm coming soon. Then he told me later, tell them to get ready. So we're just teaching and preaching a little bit about that. First John chapter number three, look at verse number two and three. First John chapter number three, two and three. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear. Okay, there it is again. This is Jesus coming. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in himself just lives like the devil. No, he purifies himself even as he is pure. Amen. Amen. All right. So back there in Titus, he said, looking for. What does that do? It makes you live right. So we are to be looking for. And the word looking for means expectation. And it doesn't just mean expectation. It means, expe- it means constant expectation with great joy. With great joy. Real hope, expectation, means you're full of joy about it. Amen. I mean, I don't mean keep picking on them. It's just, it's just convenient today, I guess. But Dane and Anna are expecting with joy their wedding day, right? What if I say, are you all looking forward to it? And they go, yeah. No, that's not real. Expect- they're not really expecting it to happen. Amen. So anyway, that's what he said looking for means there in, in Titus 2.13. Now, you all following me? I'm back in Titus 2.13. Looking for. That means a constant expectation with joy. Amen. Now, how many of you know it's only going to be joyful? You can only expect to see him joyfully if you're living soberly, righteously, and godly. <laughs> Amen. Otherwise, whenever he comes, you're going to go, uh-oh. Amen. And so it'll cause us to live right. Amen. Now, what is this blessed hope? It's blessed, or or why is it blessed? I guess we should say it's blessed because it brings blessedness that has not been and cannot be realized before his appearing. Amen. We have preached, and rightly so, don't misunderstand me. We have emphasized knowing your rights and privileges in this life. And we need that. But I think the church as a whole has gotten a little out of balance with that now. Not that it's wrong. It's it's absolutely scriptural to be victorious down here in this life and walk in all the redemption's blessings. But right on the other hand, you can, I mean, I think the church for years was out of balance the other way. Just, you know, we don't want any of this old world's goods and, you know, we're not even going to buy a house because Jesus is coming again. And, you know, we don't even need a church building and all that because Jesus is coming again. Well, that's out of balance on the other side of the ditch. In one sense, you got to live like he's coming uh, uh, tomorrow or, or today, this afternoon or something. And in another sense, you got to live like that we got to occupy down here until he does come. And maintain the victory and keep on getting the job done until he does come. And so, but there's a lot. I won't get into all that for time's sake. But uh, there are things that are coming at his appearing. So Paul's statement here in Romans 8.24, where he talks about uh, hope that is seen is not hope. But uh, he's referring to the blessed hope that saves us from the wrath to come. There's a bunch of wrath getting ready to hit this planet over in the tribulation. 
You read the book of Revelation, you ought to just go home and Google, maybe if you've got a Bible program or something, do that <clears throat> search, you know, and just put in the word wrath in the New Testament. And a lot of the verses that come up will be the book of Revelation. And it's all the wrath of God. Amen. It's payday. See, but we're not appointed to wrath, the Bible says. And so uh, we're delivered. The rapture delivers the church from the wrath to come. Amen. He's talking about the coming rapture of the church. And so we are to expect this. It's to be something that we think about regularly. You know, I was scared to go in when I was a kid. I was scared to go into movie houses, watch certain movies, because while I'm in there, Jesus might come. That's a, that's a scriptural thing to want to live right because he could come at any moment. The reason was because people preached on it whenever I was a kid. Amen. And so I think we got to preach a little bit more on this. All right. So go to Colossians chapter number, well, well, let's, let's save some time and skip Colossians chapter number one. Um, let's go over here to, uh, in other words, when it says here in the book of Titus, his, the blessed hope of the church is the glorious appearing. That glorious appearing, that means his appearing will not be dull and drab. Or uneventful. Amen. It's a manifestation of the glory like you and I have never seen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ever had somebody walk into your house and, you know, somebody, some relative or something that's always a pest or something. They walk into your house and you just turn around and say, oh, it's you. (laughs) Jesus coming will not be like that. (laughs) People are watching television. Oh, it's you. Yeah, none of that. No, 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 sir, no, ma'am. This will affect every person on the planet. I don't mean everybody's going, but every person on the planet will see him and know. Uh oh. Time to get out the book of Revelation and read it because you didn't catch the first load out and you're going to have to know how to survive in the tribulation. You think I'm making stuff up. I'm, I'm just paraphrasing different scriptures. But all right. So what blessedness will we receive? Well, we'll receive a new body. If that's not exciting to you, you haven't studied it. You should get one. I'm telling you, you're going to wish you had one. Um, then our bodies will be transferred to live in the very glory world itself. Third of all, rewards for faithfulness and obedience will be meted out. Well, I'm not looking forward to that. Well, you could if you just make some adjustments. <laughs> Amen. Fourth of all, it be, will be escape from the tribulation. Um, but really, it's not escape theology. It's basically getting as many people as we can take with us to go with us. Amen. So um, Titus 2 here, he's talking about the bright. Now go, over to, go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 8. I want you to see another verse that talks about this. Anybody enjoying this? Look with me at this uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8. He's talking here about, well, let's go back to verse number, uh, verse number 1. We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord, underline that, Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him. The gathering together is the rapture. 
He, he refers to it back there in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 4, where he, he, he comes in the sky, verse number 15, we say unto you by the word of the Lord, they which are alive and remain coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a trip. When I got right with God, I stopped listening to all the worldly music and I started into Christian music. I've gravitated a long ways from where I got in at, but I started listening to Mylon Lefevre. He's now working with Brother Copeland, you remember? But Mylon Lefevre had an album out. I forget what the name of the album was, but there was a song on there. I'm going to take a trip in that good old gospel ship. I'm going to sail away in the sky. That's actually a working of an old hymn. He put a few guitar, guitar strums in there, you know. <laughs> but it's true. I'm going to take a trip. Some of you looking at me like you're not going. I'm taking a trip. I'm taking a trip. So he said, uh, that's what's going to happen there in verse, uh, chapter number five, uh, four of First Thessalonians. But we're in Second Thessalonians, chapter number two. Look at verse number eight. Now, this is talking about the Antichrist coming. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Verse number four. Remember that when I was with you, I told you these things. Verse five. Now you know with withholds the mystery of iniquity does already work. Bible says there are many antichrists in the earth already. Not the antichrist, but that spirit. Uh, Only he who now lets will let. Let means restrains. Then shall that wicked. Verse eight. Then shall that wicked or the wicked one. That's the antichrist. Be revealed. When's he going to be revealed? Not until the church is out of here. So stop trying to pick him. Oh, it's Klaus Schwab, head of the, w, the World Economic Forum. Well, I don't know. You don't know either. Then, then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the uneventfulness of his coming. The brightness. Brightness, brightness of his coming. That's the glory of God. The whole planet is going to light up with the glory of God. The Bible says it's going to be like a light shining from the east to the west. That's like the sun shining, probably brighter than the sun shines. People are going to go, what is happening? What's the trumpet about? Woo! What? Masses of people in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The word twinkling means a split second. I mean, it literally means cannot be divided. In other words, you can't, you can't any longer cut time in half anymore. Just, you, you can cut a second in half and half a half a second. Right? Track meets and things, you, get, you can win by a second or half a second. But not, not, you cannot... You cannot divide time any quicker than how quick you're going to go like that and you're out of here. In the twinkling of an eye, just boom. And this plan is going to change. But we're out of here. Praise God. So it's mentioned there in Titus and it's called his glorious appearing. And, uh, but here it's refer, it, 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 the same Greek word, parousia, 
is referring to his coming, but his coming will be with brightness and glory. And the word parousia always means, I looked up a whole bunch of verses. And most of the time when it refers to Jesus coming back, this word is used as a Greek word, parousia. His parousia will be with brightness and with glory. And it will be his physical bodily appearance. It always means manifestation uh, or visible appearing of a person. Now, sometimes Paul said, I'm going to come to you. He's talking about physically, I'm going to be there. And he used this word parousia. But the word is used over and over about Jesus coming back. It will not be just a vision people have. It will be him in the sky himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's mentioned over and over in the scriptures and most always uses this word parousia. And so it always means visible bodily being present. It means coming to a place uh, coming from one place to another and, and being visibly and physically present. Amen. It literally means an arrival. Amen. Coming soon to a planet near you. <clears throat> Amen. And so that's what he's talking about. Now let's look at some verses here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. This I say unto you by the word of the Lord, they which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Coming is the word parousia, physically, bodily appearing of the Lord. It's going to be startling and unexpected. It'll be like a thief in the night. It'll be like a trap upon an unsuspecting world. They're going about doing their daily things, just caught up with the natural affairs of life, aren't aware of the timing of things, nor what they should be doing. Uh, they're falling right into all the, the spirit of the world and the direction the world's going and stuff that's happening. And they're saying, yeah, let's do that whenever they don't even know it adds to the powers of the Antichrist and all that. Tell you the truth about it. I'm not trying to scare you, but let me tell you something you need to pay attention to. And that's called uh, central bank digital currencies. It is the setup for the one world system. Pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, it's, it's, it's the most tyrannical thing that will ever hit this planet. Anyway, some of you aren't even sure what I'm talking about. That's all right. So the, the, it's coming is going to be startling and unexpected. And so his appearing is illustrious. It's glorious. It's going to... Cause a lot of people that get left behind and need huggies. They're going to have to go to the restroom and clean up. You know what I'm talking about? It's going to scare out of them. Because they realize, oh my, my goodness. Oh my goodness. It actually happened. Now they're going to lie about it. And they're going to put out falsehoods just like they do today. They'll say UFOs came and took them all away, you know, and all the bad people that were hindering this, this one world government and all that. They'll, they'll, they'll say it was a UFO, but it was uh, you know who. <laughs> so <laughs> notice these verses, verses that are just talking about the, the return of Jesus. Matthew 24, 3. If you want to write these down, I'm going to give you a whole lot of them. 
that this is in the Bible much more than maybe sometimes we think about because we go to certain scriptures we like. We don't go to these very much. Look at Matthew 24, verse number three. Or maybe you do like these. I like them. But Matthew 24, 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? Coming is parousia. That's the verse we just read. Matthew 24, 27, as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, even so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. That's that glory. That's the glory that I just mentioned. Matthew 24, 39, no unto, uh, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall, talking about Jesus said there'll be like the days of Noah. They didn't know until the flood came. He said, so shall, verse 12, Matthew 29, uh, 24, 39, so also shall the coming, parousia, of the Son of Man be. Amen. Jesus is coming again. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, even, but every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards, they which are Christ's at his coming. At his coming, parousia. First Thessalonians 2.19. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. For, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? That's an interesting verse. What will, make, what will be your joy in his presence? The people you reached. Amen. That's, a, that's an interesting verse. Verse number, uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse number 13. For the end, to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord and Savior, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. Ooh, with all his saints. That's talking about the next coming, the coming after this one. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. You know, there's a coming that he comes to get his saints, and there's a coming that he comes with his saints. Yeah. The rapture is him going to come to take us out before the tribulation. But uh, Zechariah 14 says he's going to come with 10,000s and thousands of his saints to destroy the armies that are coming against Jerusalem. Amen. You better learn to like horses because you're going to ride one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And that one, his coming is your coming. The first coming, his coming is your going. But the second one, his coming is your coming. First Thessalonians, uh, you know, these verses talk about it. And Second uh, Thessalonians 2.8 is one we just read, uh, talking about the Lord consuming the Antichrist with the spirit of his mouth. That's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Look at James 5, 7, and 8. This is what we want to spend some more time with here today. I'm going to go past it right now, and then we're going to come back to it. But James 5, 7, and 8, be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming, parousia, of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming, parousia, of the Lord draws near. Well, if it was near then, it's nearer now. At least it should be. I hope we'll get into some things that we'll see if it is. Second Peter 1, 16, we know we have not followed cunningly devised fables, Second Peter 1, 16. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by his, by, uh, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I know these are verses maybe you haven't thought about, but just keep listening. Yes, sir. And say, 2 Peter 3, 4, 2 Peter 3, 4, they'll say, where is the promise of his coming, his parousia? 
for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of his creation. And then he goes on and said, don't you know that uh, God is not slack concerning his promises, but is long-suffering towards us. We'll get into that here in a minute. I want to switch gears in a minute. But 2 Peter 3.12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Hasting, yeah. hastening it along. Yeah. Literally, you look it up, and other translations will say that. Hastening along, yeah. uh, speeding up. Yeah. Yeah. Us has something to do with that. That's what he said. Yeah. That's what we're going to spend the rest of the day on. First John two twenty eight. Now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, that's his coming, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That word appear there, it literally is talking about his coming. And so uh, those are some of the verses. There's many more. But see, here's now, I want to switch gears now. You, you start talking about this, people say, well, okay, good, and fine, wonderful, Pastor. I'm, I'm excited about it. But when's that going to happen? When's that going to happen? That's, when, <laughs> that's the question a lot of people have. I think they ask that because they want to know how much longer they can serve the devil and live, like the fle- live in the flesh. Amen. I don't know why you're preaching on that. We don't know when that's going to be. Could be a thousand years from now. We don't know. Well, there's signs, first of all, but, but in your spirit, you know a whole lot. We don't know the day or the hour. Bible said that. Remember, we read that. We don't know the day or the hour. But the Bible does make it clear that we can know. We, the Bible makes it clear we can see the day approaching. That's in Luke 21, verse number 28. And Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but, uh, but, but so much the more. What's the next phrase? As you see the day approaching. What? I thought we don't know the, the day or the hour. You might not know the day or the hour, but you can see it coming. If you're just natural, just look at what the Bible says. Let's say you don't even believe the Bible, but just look at what the Bible says, the one world government, the Israel returning, all these things. Just look at that. If, even if you don't have an ounce of spirituality about you at all and see if that's coming to pass. You can just look at that. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're a spiritual dud, just look at that and you can see it coming. Jesus said over there in uh, one of the scriptures, he said, he, he rebuked them because they could discern the face of the sky and say, well, there's a rain cloud. I mean, there's going to be, it's going to be storming. There's, there's rain coming, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now there's a whole lot we got to get into about signs because people get off on those things, but you have the witness of the spirit that lets you know it is getting close. Sometimes I just, you just, just listen to certain ones talking if I'm eating lunch or something and I just check the news, maybe I watch a video or something and the spirit of Antichrist is on them so strong, so strong. And if you know the spirit, you can tell (laughs) it's, it's getting stronger. Amen. They might not have said anything about being the Antichrist or the end times, but there's a spirit on them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when is this all going to happen, Pastor Jay? Well, we told you it was going to be on Saturday. I mean, that's good. (laughs) 
Let me ask you a question. Doesn't the Bible says, doesn't the Bible say that Satan himself goes about with great wrath? Because listen, he knows his time yeah. is short. You should know more than the devil. Well, we just don't know all that. Well, the devil knows more than you then. Well, everybody say amen. amen. All right. So the parable of the fig tree, Jesus gave that in Matthew 24, 32 through 36. That ought to tell you something. Right? But that's just something natural. And uh, Jesus said that's, that generation won't pass away. Did he mean that or we just tear that out of the Bible? You know I mean, it's, if you start tearing things out of the Bible, you've got to tear John 3.16 out of the Bible. Because if part of it's not true, none of it's true. So um, if Jesus didn't want us to know the general season, he even wants dull people natural people to know the general season by saying things like whenever nation becomes, whenever Israel becomes a nation again, duh, get saved, get saved, get saved, <laughs> right? So if he didn't want people to uh, know anything about the season, you might not know the day or the hour, but you can know the season. If I go over to the, if he didn't want that to happen, then, then why did he give some of these signs? Go back here to notice what it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren. You ought to study that term in the Bible, times and seasons. There are some things that it's always the season for. Remember, now is the accepted time when it comes to salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Some things redemption has provided in the day of grace that any time during the day of grace, it's open season. I'm a hunter. And there's some things you can shoot sometimes of the year, but you can't shoot the rest of the year. There's sometimes anything you see, anytime you see it, shoot it. Raccoons. Anytime you see a raccoon, pow, gotcha. Winter, summer, whatever, Christmas. Holiday, New Year's Day, Thanksgiving Day, whatever, pow, gotcha. But you can't do that with all animals. It's not always open season. And that's the way some things are in the things of God. There's some things that it's not about a season, right? It's, it's anyone can receive it at any time. But there are some things that are on a time clock, so to speak. All right, but that's a whole other subject. I've opened a lot of cans of worms this morning. But notice here, um, Matthew 16, 3 is where he said, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. So he's really rebuking people because they can see natural signs, but they can't perceive what the Spirit is saying about the time they lived in. Remember Jesus said about his first appearing when he walked the earth here and ministered and healed the sick and so forth. The Bible said that Jesus saw Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, how long I've longed to gather you, gather the hand, gather the chicks, but you would not. Remember that? You would not. And then he said, you knew not the time of your visitation. And he said, you know, he, again, there in Luke, what is it, 19, he predicted the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. He said, all these things will come upon you because you knew not the time of your visitation. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. They didn't recognize spiritual things. Yeah. Yeah. The Pharisees said, give us a sign, Jesus, that you're really the Messiah. He said, There'll be, he said a wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. 
Well, and there's a whole lot of wicked and adulterous preachers then. Well, Because that's all they talk about. Do you see that? Hoogamooga happened over there. Oh, did you see what Israel did? Did you see what happened today in the news? Did you see what Iran did today? They're looking at natural things, trying to determine the season. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation is focused on the natural. When they don't even recognize visitations. In other words, they see natural things, but they don't recognize spiritual things. Jesus showed up in the flesh. And he was their visitation. He could have delivered them from the, the uh, destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and all of that. But they didn't recognize him. Oblivious to the fact that it was him. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 12, 13, and 14, it says all nations are going to come against Israel. And Jesus is going to come back and this time put his foot. And with us, he's going to come back with a, put his foot on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split. And there will be a national deliverance. And they will look on him whom they have pierced. And mourn for him as one mourns for his firstborn child. And all Israel will be saved. That's what your Bible says. Romans says that. All Israel will be saved. Not in dispensation of grace. But in, when he comes back, all Israel will mourn for him. And they said, it says there, they'll ask him, where did you get those uh, holes in your hands? He says, I got them in the house of my friends. That's them. His covenant people. Yeah. 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 Come on. And they will mourn. And they say, it was you. Yeah. And they will receive him. And it talks about each one mourning and repenting. And they'll all receive him. And boy, I'm telling you what, those nations get, a, get us butt spanking. Their judgment will be, their eyes will melt in the sockets of their body. It's some sort of, I don't know, what do they call that? Neutron bomb or something, probably. The flesh will melt off. They're, they're, they're coming to destroy Israel. This, you're going to watch this with your own eyes riding your horse. Look at that. He, his flesh just melted right off of his body. <laughs> this is stuff we don't talk about every Sunday morning. <laughs> the tribulation is the wrath of the Lamb. He said, I've had enough of this. This total destruction. Anyway. Coming soon to a planet near you. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a different kind of preaching. We'll see how many people show up next Sunday, you know. So. Let's see if it really did happen on Saturday, you know. Just. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we can know the general season. But we don't have to just look at the signs. We can know. I mean, if you're, just if you're a dud, you can look at the signs. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to. You can know in here. Yeah. Right. Amen. Amen. All right. So, people rebuked, Jesus rebuked the religious people in their day for discerning. They could discern natural things, but they couldn't see spiritual things. Um, but today, people rebuke you and I for saying Jesus' return is imminent because they think we're setting dates. Um, I would encourage you to stay far away from people that set dates. I was only joking about Saturday, all right? Just, just jerking Jane's, uh, Jane's, Dane's chain a little bit and make him go into deep intercession this week. But... Um, today, 
We're not setting dates. You should stay away from people who set dates. I remember a guy back in, was it, 1988 set a date. I mean, he sold books by the hundreds of thousands, I guess, or millions or whatever. And come to find out, of course, it didn't happen. I like what Dr. Lester Summerall said. He said, if you set a date, if somebody happens to pick the right date, he said, God will change it just because somebody picked the right date. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, but this man, he set this date, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88 or something, whatever it was. And, and, you, and, you, and, and he sold all these books. Come to find out he made all this money and he went and bought a whole bunch of land with that money. Well, he wasn't expecting Jesus to come on his date. That's just a fraud and a phony. Don't ruin your ministry, okay, young sons? Don't ruin your ministry. So, but anyway, we're not setting dates. Amen. Well, we're just talking about the season. Okay, go over here to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We start talking about the times and seasons. For yourselves, you know, brethren... You need not that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, the day of the Lord can reference different things in the end times, and here um, you can see what it's by the context. Just read on, you'll see. But when they shall say, peace and safety, <clears throat> excuse me, then sudden destruction comes upon them as upon travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He said, it's going to come on them as a thief in the night, but not you and I. You're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, and let us, but let us watch and be sober. They that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken, be drunken in the night. But let us who, put on, who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us unto wrath, but the obtaining of salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another with these words. Well, it's not edifying to say, we're all going through the tribulation. Oh, store up food and go to Alaska and hide out somewhere. <clears throat> That's not edifying. That's not comforting. We're not appointed to all this wrath. What wrath? The wrath of the lamb in the great tribulation. We're not appointed to that. But what is he saying there? We're, we're not in the dark. When he says we're of the day, not of the night, we're not of the dark. We, we're not in the dark about all this. We know the general season. So it's not wrong to preach about this. Right? So um, people say you should stay away from those people talking about Jesus coming back and all that. I would suggest you would stay away from people who act like they don't even realize it's getting ready to happen. I really would. Stay away from people who are just oblivious to what time it is, because if you hang around people like that, they don't know what to do. They don't know what time it is, so they don't know what to be doing. Is it, am I preaching all right this morning? If you hang around people like that, it might rub off on you. Just being dumb. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, mean, I want to hang around people where wisdom, hang, wisdom gets off of them on me. Amen. Because I want to be ready to meet Jesus when he comes. Well, praise the Lord. Now go back to James 5. We've got to wrap this up. My goodness. It's just taking a while to get here. But 
James 5 is one of the key verses in the New Testament about the return of Jesus. I would emphasize this over everything else. And uh, look at verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord, the parousia. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. Well, he has been waiting, hadn't he? My goodness, what's he waiting on? Man, if Russia would just go ahead and attack Israel, he would come. That's not what he's waiting on. He's waiting, waiting on the precious fruit of the earth. Now, that's talking about the harvest. He's not talking about corn. So he's not waiting until the corn gets off the fields out here. That's talking about souls, people. And hath long patience for it until he receive, or really, uh, one translation, other translations say, it receive, the earth receive, the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Patient doesn't mean sit by and wait in the New Testament. It means endure. Jesus said whenever he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? And from the context, it was a persistent faith that endured to get everything God had for the planet. It's through the church's faith that Jesus comes again because it was through the people's faith in the early, when he first came, that he got into the earth. Without Mary and Joseph's faith, Anna and Simeon's faith, he couldn't have got into the earth. But he found somebody that'll say, be it unto me according to your will. And he got him into the earth by faith, by, by the people's faith. The same thing's going to have to be in the last days. When he comes back, is he going to find people believing for him to get everything done down here that needs to be done? That's a whole other subject, which we'll get into maybe. But look here, be patient. And then he said, be also patient, establish your hearts for the coming. The parousia of the Lord draws near. Now, <clears throat> he's not waiting. People say, well, He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Uh, but what does that mean? Well, according to Jesus' statements, you can look at it this way. Remember, Jesus said, don't say there's so many months until harvest. He said, look on the fields, they're already ripe yes. on the harvest. So he's not waiting for the harvest to be ripe. Right. Right. He's not waiting. Somebody didn't get that. He's not waiting. <laughs> for the harvest to be ripe. Yes, yes. He's waiting for it to be reaped. Amen. Somebody say amen. I'm just now getting to my sermon. I know I'm getting ready to quit, but I'm just now getting to what I... He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth to be reaped. What does it take to get it reaped? It takes an outpouring of the Spirit. That's what he meant by the early and latter rain. Yeah. Come on. Amen. Amen. People say today, and it's a religious cliche, you have to ask yourself the question if it's really true. People say, well, the return of Jesus, one thing we know, one thing we know, the return of Jesus is closer today than it ever has been. <laughs> you know, um, is that true? Are we closer to getting the harvest reaped today than we ever have? I don't believe that the clock going tick, tick, tick brings the return of Jesus closer. According to this scripture. He's not waiting for a date on the clock. 
He's waiting for the job to get done. The church. The church to get the job done. Are you out there? <laughs> I've said that. I've said it's closer today than it ever has been. I've said that. But as I start thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. Does that automatically mean time passing? Does that automatically mean that he's, it's closer? You, we could lose ground in the progress of getting the harvest reaped. And today, the return of Jesus has pushed off 20 more years than it was you know, a few years ago. Because it's obvious he's waiting on something. But what is he waiting on? He's waiting on us to get the job done. Well, uh, it says there he's waiting. Okay, okay, Pastor, I get it. But, 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 but people get spit out their false teeth. But, 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 but. See, we don't like this part because you don't hear this preached on the end time preaching. Because this is our responsibility. Most end time preaching is just all sovereign up to God. Is this sovereignty here? We have a part in this. We have a part in this. I want you to hear that with your heart tonight or today. We have a part in this. So he's waiting. Somebody said, well, okay, but, but in order to get to harvest, it's, God, God has to pour out the rain. So that's what we're waiting on, the rain. Oh, really? The Greek says, until it receive, the earth receive, the early and the latter rain. Not till he pours it out. You understand? But until the earth receives it. When people turn away from the move of the Spirit, they are delaying the return of Jesus. Because that outpouring of the rain is supernatural harvest equipment to get the job done. I'm trying to close. I just, just, I can't stop in the middle of this. Amen. I don't know why you go down there to church all the time. I mean, you're down there every service and then you go to prayer service too. And you help and you give your money and all that. I don't know why you're down there. For, I'll tell you why I'm down there, honey. I'm down there to speed up the return of Jesus. Pray and giving myself to, to, to the ministry to help get the word out. Amen. You still glad you came today? See, this puts responsibility back on the church and people go, oh, they get nervous. They don't like that kind of end time preaching. They just want to talk about signs and how it's all God, 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 God's going to do this and God's going to do Well, how about we just do our part and let God do his part? That issue is what Peter was bringing up when he addressed the fact that there will be mockers in the last day say, where is the promise of his coming? He's saying God's not slack concerning his promises. Notice what he said, but he's long suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, he's, he, he wants more and more people to get in on this. He doesn't enjoy watching them destroyed in hell. No wonder he said we can hasten the day of Jesus' return. No wonder he won't return. Remember he said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then shall the end come. It's depending on getting this word out. Amen. But so the the fact that we can hasten the day of Jesus coming doesn't sound like God has a set day on the calendar for it to happen. It would, uh, 
seems to be us getting the job done. Amen. Let me read this because the Lord gave it to me. I like the way he said it to me. Um, he'll return, I believe, from, from well, let, let's back up, until it, he's waiting for until it received, the earth received the latter rain. Yeah, right. Well, the world's not going to, right. so it's going to be the church. Yeah, come on. Yeah. From our earthly perspective, a worldwide intense sustained flow of God's power looks distant. But from God's perspective, it's happening now. Amen. We don't always see it truly. We don't always see it flowing strongly in the earth. But the reason why has nothing to do with God. It's our kink in the hose blocking it from flowing from God into the earth. Amen. Think about it. Is he waiting on himself? He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Is he, and, and it takes the rain to pour that out. Well, is he just waiting on himself to pour out his rain? He's waiting on the church to receive it. It's prayer, the church praying that receives the rain. It's the rain that produces the harvest. It's the harvest that brings the return of Jesus. Notice our responsibility in this. We're back to prayer again, pastor. (laughs) That's the emphasis in the spirit. If you listen to your spirit, that's the emphasis in the spirit. He said, you see, and in 1 Peter, you said, seeing these things are coming to pass, be be sober and watch unto prayer. Amen. 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 So he's not waiting on himself. He's not waiting. uh, We're not waiting on him to send a rain. He's waiting on the earth to receive the rain. Whenever people say, we push that move of the spirit into the back room because we don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, the devil. Yeah, Yeah, he gets offended. I got to say something in a minute. It'll help you a whole lot. You just hang with me. I know we're almost done here. Maybe you don't know we're almost done, but let me give you a revelation. We're almost done. <laughs> Hallelujah. So James 5, 7 is probably the most important verse in the Bible when it comes to the subject of the coming of the Lord, because it shows us what he's waiting on as well as what we're to be doing about it. Amen. And so um, this is the, the time that end time preachers talk about a lot. They talk about the signs and wonders out there in the world and whichever nation is going to attack which nation, what's happening in Israel and Russia and Iran and all those things and, and, the, and the, you know, signs in the sky and tsunamis and, you know, a tsunami comes on, all the preachers get on there and start typing their blog. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. How about the whole world is receiving the rain? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Yes. Amen. 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 Now, Romans eleven twenty five. I would not, brethren. I got, I got to, I got, can you let me have a few minutes here? Yes. I, I, this is a bad time to quit right in the middle of this. It's just getting to something. Romans eleven twenty five. But Paul said, I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Listen. Listen, 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 with the spirit of your ears of the spirit, listen, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. That's it. That's what they're in right now. They they don't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Blindness has happened in part to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Listen to that. Until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Amplified until the, the full number of the ingathering of the Gentiles has come in. That's you and me. Yeah. 
We didn't grow up Jews. We, we grew up bar hoppers and all that, you know. <laughs> well, thank God for the days that are gone by and they're gone forever. We know from the scriptures that not everyone will be saved in this church age. So what does that term mean? The fullness of the Gentiles become in. Are you with me this morning? We're going a little deeper here. I mean, we, just, we, don't, we don't want to just, we want to, we want to understand what this means here. What is the fullness of the Gentiles come in? We know from the scriptures not everybody's going to be saved. It's God's will. He's not willing that any should perish, but not everybody's going to be saved. Jesus' blood was shed for every man. And they, every person can be saved, regardless, you know. But, and so he's willing, but we know from the scriptures not everybody will. He that believe, Jesus himself said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There's going to be some that don't believe. Yep. Yep. And that's just one of hundreds of scriptures. So what does that mean? Listen very carefully. You got your spiritual ears on? Yes. I believe this means because of the fullness of the rain. Notice, let me go back to the statement again. He's waiting. Blindness has happened until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. I believe that means because of the fullness of the rain. And the preaching of the word throughout the earth, like Jesus said, this gospel will be preached unto all the world. The, the, the preaching of the word through all the earth and the fullness of the move of the spirit confirming that word. Everyone has had the opportunity to be saved. And everyone who is going to respond has. No wonder nobody knows the day or the hour. You don't know when that is. No, sir. Come on. Are you still with me? You don't know when that is. There's no way for a human being to know when that is. No wonder. You learn anything this morning? I, be, I believe that's what that means. Somebody said, when will that happen? We don't know. What do we do know? We get the job done, we can speed it up. <laughs> we have a part in that happening. Well, what will happen when that happens? Well, what will happen is, according to Isaiah 40, 14, verse 5, the Lord will come and all of his saints with him. Hallelujah. Or actually, excuse me, that's Jesus' second coming. But what will happen when that happens? All, all who are saved, then the rapture happens. And then judgment falls on the nations. Actually, it's, oh, I don't want to get into this, Lord. The church age ends. Somebody said, is the tribulation in the church age or is it in the thousand year reign? No. It's not in either one. It's Daniel's 70th week. If you know anything about Daniel, read Daniel 9 when you get home. And then go look at a concordance to help you understand it. Or maybe I'll preach a sermon on it. But Daniel said, God has been dealing with Israel up until the day that Messiah was cut off. That you'll read that in Daniel 9, the Messiah was cut off. And then the 70 weeks ends at 69 weeks. Weeks is a seven-year time. Seven, seven. seven. A week is seven days, right? So seven years. And uh, there's a whole, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going in too deep that I can't get myself out today, so I'll stop. But the point is, there is a 70th week that is not the church age that God reserves to deal with Israel. Uh, that's one week of years, seven years, the tribulation. The tribulation is the church age is done. God finishes up that 70th week of Daniel and bringing in the repentance of Israel. 
till they come to the place, they say, we look on you who we pierce, and it's you, it's you, and they all receive him, bam, then they're delivered, and then the thousand-year tribulation, I mean, thousand-year reign, excuse me, uh, happens. Seven, that seven years is not in the church age or in the, in the uh, thousand-year reign. Anybody still above, you're, you're not underwater now, are you? <laughs> so when he comes back and uh, that all happens, they'll recognize him. And uh, the book of Revelation, and let, except the first three chapters, the book of Revelation, the church is not mentioned. Except at the very end, uh, whenever uh, the scene is in heaven and we're there. But the church is not mentioned. It mentions the elect, but that's elect Jews out of the tribulation. Amen. Amen. The church, the, the, the tribulation is not called the uh, time of the church's trouble. It's in Jeremiah called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. You remember that? It's a time God dealing with Israel, sealing up their, and, and, and dealing with their unbelief and bringing them to the place they recognize him. Then that 70th week will be complete. We go into the millennial reign. We reign with him for a thousand years. Cheer up. It's all exciting for you and me. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Well, I got to stop. Everybody still glad you came to church this morning? I know we went in a little deeper this morning, and we could take, we could take service after service and give you all the scriptures for all that I just said. So don't go out of here and say, he didn't give us a verse for that. Well, just come talk to me, and I'll give you one, all right? If I don't know it, Dane will know it. He's going into hard prayer this week, remember? Stand with me to your feet. Praise God. We're going to receive communion, but before we do, let's just worship God and lift up our hands. It's exciting. For, for you and me, these end times are exciting. Remember, we said they were the birth pangs of, a, the, of the kingdom age. Praise the Lord. While they're down here tribulating with the Antichrist, we're eating the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah.